0: The Daily 202 is sponsored by T. Rowe Price. Check out The Confident Wallet, a personal finance podcast series by T. Rowe Price and The Washington Post Brand Studio. Good morning, I'm James Holman from The Washington Post, and this is The Daily 202 for Tuesday, February 5th. In today's news, the lieutenant governor of Virginia blames fellow Democrats for drawing attention to a sexual assault allegation against him. President Trump picks a World Bank critic to lead the World Bank, and Ruth Bader Ginsburg makes her first public appearance since she had cancer surgery in December. But first, the big idea. Federal prosecutors in New York served a sweeping subpoena yesterday to President Trump's inaugural committee seeking all information related to donors, vendors, contractors, bank accounts, and any foreign contributors. The subpoena, issued by the U.S. Attorney's Office in the Southern District of New York and reviewed by the Washington Post, indicates that prosecutors are investigating crimes related to conspiracy to defraud the United States, mail fraud, false statements, wire fraud, and money laundering. Much of the committee's fundraising and operation was headed by Rick Gates, the former senior Trump campaign official who was deputy chairman of the inaugural committee and is now cooperating with prosecutors as part of special counsel Bob Mueller's investigation. The subpoena also specifically seeks all communications with one particular donor, Los Angeles venture capitalist Imad Zuberi, as well as the firm with which he is affiliated, Avenue Ventures. The company donated $900,000 to the inaugural committee. Steve Rabinowitz, a spokesman for Zuberi, tells my Post colleagues Roz Helderman and Michael Cranish that his client knew nothing about the subpoena until contacted by a reporter. Asked whether there was any foreign connection to Zuberi's donation, which would be a serious crime, Rabinowitz said no. After Trump's election, Zuberi, one of the biggest donors in Democratic politics for years, swiftly emerged as a major contributor to the new president and Republicans, On his Facebook page, Zuberi indicated that he visited Trump Tower in December 2016 as the president-elect prepared to take office, writing that he was with incoming National Security Advisor Michael Flynn. That was the same day that a delegation from Qatar, including the country's foreign minister, visited Trump Tower and met with Flynn and campaign chief executive Steve Bannon. Rabinowitz said Zuberi met with the Qataris that day, walked with them to Trump Tower, and rode up the elevator with them, but insisted that he did not participate in the meetings with Trump officials. Zuberi indicated on his Facebook page, whose posts are public, that he met with the Qatari foreign minister at the Plaza Hotel in New York the next day. Days later, he visited Saudi Arabia and the United Arab Emirates. All of this is a reminder that you've got to follow the money, and that Middle Eastern interference in American politics is also a focus of federal investigators. In related news, BuzzFeed reported last night that a lobbyist who attended that infamous Trump Tower meeting in June 2016 received mysterious payments totaling half a million dollars. Documents show that Renat Akhmetchin, a Soviet military officer turned Washington lobbyist, deposited large round number amounts of cash in the months preceding and following the Trump Tower meeting, where a Russian lawyer had offered senior Trump campaign officials dirt on Hillary Clinton. BuzzFeed reports that the same lobbyist also received a large payment that bank investigators deemed suspicious from Dennis Katziv, whose company has been accused by the American Justice Department of laundering the proceeds of a $230 million dollar Russian tax fraud. Mueller's team pulled bank information on all of the attendees at that 2016 meeting, but it's not clear whether the payments themselves are under active investigation. And that's the big idea. Here are three other headlines that should be on your radar. Number one, Virginia Governor Ralph Northam continued to weigh resigning over a racist yearbook photo as his potential successor, Lieutenant Governor Justin Fairfax, denied a sexual assault allegation. Northam, a Democrat, is trying to buy time as he seeks evidence to prove that he was not in that racist picture, and he's exploring whether he has enough support to continue to be effective. While elected officials from both parties stood by their calls that Northam must go, The way forward became cloudier Monday with the incendiary charges against Fairfax. The lieutenant governor vehemently denied that he forced a woman to perform oral sex during the Democratic Convention in 2004 when he was a body man for John Edwards. The allegation appeared yesterday on a conservative website called Big League Politics, the same site that uncovered the Northam photo. But the woman first approached the Washington Post about her story soon after Fairfax was elected in November 2017. Fairfax claimed in a statement yesterday that the Post did not publish her story because reporters found, quote, significant red flags and inconsistencies within the allegations. That is incorrect. The Post, in phone calls to people who knew Fairfax from college, law school, and through political circles, found no similar complaints of sexual misconduct against him. Without that, or the ability to corroborate the woman's account, in part because she had not told anyone what happened at the time, the paper opted not to run a story. Fairfax suggested yesterday that Northam's office might be behind publicizing this allegation, a claim that the governor's aides denied and that escalated tension between Virginia Democrats. Then, last night, Fairfax hinted to reporters that it was actually Richmond Mayor LeVar Stoney, who was pushing the story. Stoney has long been considered a likely rival of Fairfax's in the 2021 Democratic primary to replace Northam as governor. Number two. Trump announced yesterday that he will nominate veteran energy lobbyist David Bernhardt to serve as interior secretary. If confirmed, and we expect he will be, the 49-year-old will be well-positioned to continue rolling back even more Obama-era conservation policies. He's helmed the department as acting secretary since January 2nd, when Ryan Zinke resigned amid multiple ethics probes. A former partner at Brownstein Hyatt Farber Shrek, he walked into the number two job at interior with so many potential conflicts of interest that he has to carry a laminated card listing them all. He initially had to recuse himself from particular matters directly affecting 26 former clients. Bernhardt's industry-friendly policies, coupled with his extensive work as a high-priced lobbyist, have earned him the enmity of environmental groups and most Democrats. Trump also decided yesterday to nominate an outspoken critic of the World Bank to lead the World Bank. David Malpas, currently the Undersecretary for International Affairs at the Treasury Department, would need to be approved by the World Bank's 12-member board before becoming president. The United States traditionally chooses bank leadership, Malpas has proven himself as a Trump loyalist, and he's had sharp words for several main policies at the World Bank, including its loans to China. He's also long expressed skepticism of global institutions generally. Number three, Justice Ruth Bader Ginsburg last night made her first public appearance since undergoing cancer surgery in December, attending a celebration of her life. The 85-year-old appeared unscheduled at a production of Notorious RBG in song at the National Museum of Women in the Arts here in Washington. The program was created and performed by her daughter-in-law, the soprano Patrice Michaels, and presented for high school students. Ginsburg did not speak and many in the crowd didn't even know she was there. She sat in the back. Ginsburg hadn't made any public appearances since undergoing surgery on December 21st after doctors discovered cancerous nodules in her left lung. Recovery from such surgery typically takes six to eight weeks. And that's The Daily 202 for Tuesday, February 5th. Thanks for listening. I'm James Hellman. I'll talk to you tomorrow.